0: Matt, what is your best experience so far in education?
1: Easy, mate. Must be last year when I was out in South Africa teaching as an international volunteer. Learned so much about myself, both personally and professionally. And to be honest with you, I can't wait to go out and do it again, but this time somewhere new. Well, that's ideal. I might have something
0: that right up your street, mate. I know a charity called Learn Achieve Become, and they've got some class projects over in Madagascar, Kenya, and Central America and they look to provide free education to children who need it most. Sounds absolutely perfect, mate. Where can I sign up? Well, firstly, go and check out their website at www.learnachievebecome.org, and you can get all the information on there about their projects that they've got ongoing right now, and also how to become a volunteer as well.
1: Perfect. And where can I find them on Instagram?
0: At learn underscore, underscore become. And make sure you're following at the Teachers of Tomorrow so we can guide you in the right direction
1: if you want to become a volunteer. Hey guys and welcome back to the latest Teachers of Tomorrow podcast episode with your co-host Matt, soon to be Mr. Aldring, and your co-host Sam, soon to be Mr. Gregory, and we are here to share our journey, experiences and views on all things education. Good evening, guys. Welcome back to another Teacher of Tomorrow podcast episode, and uh, it's a bit of a special one, really, today because both me and Sam are delighted to say we're joined by two deputy head teachers and experienced, successful podcasters in their own right. Uh, this is Don't Shoot the Deputies. It's Stephen Russ. Boys, how are you both?
2: Brilliant. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, very kind words. Too I've been generous.
1: Pl- I've been playing that in my head for about five minutes to make sure I got it right, so I'm glad it's uh, I'm glad it's come out well. <laughs> certainly has. Pleasure, Pleasure uh, to talk to you both. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's great to get you boys on. Um, you know, we connected a couple of weeks ago over Twitter, and I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and yeah, big fan. I just think they're great, great podcasts. You get some great guests on, and you two are, you know good inspiration for me and Sam so yeah it's uh it's good to learn off you two and get you on it so thanks for thanks for taking the time awesome. we've already awesome. just,
0: we, we've already established this I mean uh Steve is like your long lost brother mate so it's a bit it's a bit <laughs> bit mad to be honest with you it's a bit weird we will yeah. get
1: into that more I reckon <laughs> yeah we will yeah there's a few similarities flying around which was slightly odd but also <laughs> magical at the same time uh, <laughs> Before we get into it, and I'll let you introduce yourselves properly to the listeners. Um, if you want to follow follow their journey uh, after this or get into the podcast, obviously Don't Shoot the Deputies is available on Spotify and Apple. Um, follow him on Instagram and Twitter, both at Dynamic Depths. And of course, as always, guys, you want to follow us at The Teach of Tomorrow on Instagram and at TFT Pod on Twitter. Um, but yeah, guys, Russ and Steve, you'd just like to introduce yourself a bit better than than I have and um, you know let the listeners know who you are.
2: No problem. I'll start, shall I, Steve? Um, well, I'm Russell, and I'm a deputy head currently based in Exeter. And I started my career in Kent, where I um, ended up with my wife after university. I did an English literature degree, and we ended up in Kent. And my first school, I was thinking about it on my drive home tonight, what a mad start to my career it mm. was it was a, a special measure school. Now, normally, they don't give um, put NQTs in special measure schools. But um, I had got my job in the April when the school was a notice to improve and some of my uni tutors had warned me not to go try and teach at the start of your career in a notice to improve school. Uh, But I fancied the challenge, thought it could be interesting. And by the time I rocked up for my first day of work in September, the guy that employed me wasn't there. He had left uh, and there was an acting head from the local authority that said, welcome to your first school, Russell. So uh, that was a rather strange way to start my career. And I think what sometimes happens in special measure schools is you get opportunities really early on because, well, frankly, it's quite chaotic. And if you're willing to step up and give something a go, you get you get those opportunities. So I became a maths lead really early on and on the senior team by the time I left the school, which was cool. And then I went on to I kind of wanted some normality after that and to work in a in a good school somewhere a bit more steady. And that's when I joined the school that Steve's at now and where we worked together for a few years. And that was exciting because it was a school in good shape. It was fairly new, just opened a, a couple of years before that. And it was just like a, a school at that kind of really early stage of its journey. Lots of exciting innovation, really kind of, um, I'd say, Steve, like really uh, technological and lots of innovation. Just really cool place to be. And me and Steve got really well. He was an NQT and I thought, I'm going to show this kid some stuff. <laughs> Sharing the ropes. I've got a few years <laughs> under my belt. He needs to listen to me and learn a few things, and then like really quickly realize that he knew plenty and was a very talented teacher. So really envious of what he could do and how he can motivate children. I just love you, man. You're just awesome. And uh, what what he did with children <laughs> and how he how he motivated them just really inspired me, to be honest. And fast forward a few years, and we've become assistant heads at that school. We'd gone through through middle leadership to senior leadership together at the school. And then I relocated to Devon, broke Steve's heart, broke your own heart, broke my own heart as well. <laughs> yeah, I always underplay that bit, and uh, took an assistant head role in in Devon, in in Torquay, in a really large three form entry primary school, and that was a really good experience because that was my full on senior leadership role. Because in the assistant head role at Steve's school, we had been half in the class half out and there are benefits to that and lots of people think that's the best job going where you get to be half in half out but it's actually quite stressful as well because you always feel like you're either doing your your kind of teaching or your leadership well so that tension got to me a bit so I was relieved in a way to go purely to a senior role where I was still teaching, but nowhere near as much, just some PPA and things like that. And I love teaching, but I don't love feeling like I'm not doing something very well. So that was great. And then a few years there and started to feel like I was really ready for deputy headship and a role came up where I am now. And I'm very, very
0: happy. So that's me. Can I, can I just can I just jump in <laughs> before um, Steve goes? Matt, why do you never talk to me? Talk, talk about me like that i mean russell, russell said a standard there that should be my introduction to every single podcast episode where is my big introduction
1: i don't like to introduce you because the head and the sho- <laughs> the head gets as big as the shoulders, sam and that's why i don't want i don't need that right it's a, somehow it's a, i've got to follow russell <laughs> i know yeah i mean i feel sorry for you steve that's uh, well, after you mate
3: a bit, a bit more <laughs> concise i think uh, but basically hi everyone i am steve i am the other dynamic step um slightly different pathway to Russell in the sense that I'd always had two aspirations when growing up and my mother was in education so I always wanted to be involved in teaching in some capacity Um, but I had a burning desire to study law and be a solicitor so I actually did begin my uni journey in law um, at the University of London, Uh, studied law, went on to be a Criminal and family law solicitor uh, whilst being a semi pro footballer. So that was always an interesting mix when uh, you had to rush back from court because you had a night game during the weekend yeah. deal or something like that. Bromley uh, yeah, away, after...
1: seven forty-five kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> you know it.
3: Oh,
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so
3: yeah, I would sleep and eat a bit of pizza probably, but hey, yeah. there you go. um So yeah, after a few years in law, I qualified as a solicitor and then. Um, got a succumbent, luckily, with my firm to Australia. Uh, so I ended up basing myself in Melbourne, working there for a year. And after doing a year um, in criminal law in Australia, I was fortunate enough to go travelling. was when I was travelling with my um, partner at the time. And then once came came back from England, I thought, you know what, now's the time to actually start my journey's teaching. So I started my PGC at Canterbury. And funnily enough, it was were where Russell went as well, but not at the same time period. Um, it felt really odd actually going back to uni. I was like 26, 20, yeah, probably 26 years of age. You kind of go back, you don't know what to expect because you're that like little bit older. Yeah. And I uh, didn't know if I was cool and could uh, handle the uni days, but uh, coped well. Um, and <laughs> then ended up getting my first job at the current school that I'm still at, actually. Um, from when I was at Canterbury, the interviews happened then. And uh, I think I'll never forget the actual day I went to the interview because I'm pretty sure to this day that the head teacher still thinks my CV was someone else's. Uh, she referred to me as this guy who was uh, really experienced with languages and ICT. And I was thinking, that ain't me. But, <laughs> hey, we'll go with it. She gave me the job. <laughs> so um must have done something right out there. But, um, yeah, started at NQT. Like Russell says, the school was only one year old when I joined it. Um, really... A hub in Kent for like uh, technology and that's why she's convinced I knew all this ICT I got chucked in the deep end luckily had a brilliant IT guy to work alongside and um never looked back really Uh began my journey NQT took on ICT after a year went through middle leadership met Russell um, showed him a thing or two about how to teach um those outstanding lessons and be a bit of a golden boy <laughs> head teacher, uh, before moving on to assistant head and now where i'm at with ship. um so yeah it's all gone well had three different head teachers lots of experience but it all prepares you for the future so yeah that's me i mean it's is, uh...
1: This is this is the sort of oh, thing that me and Sam are striving for, but are absolutely nowhere near yet. <laughs> we're, well, uh, we're we're uh, we're right back where you were. You, well, I've literally yeah. at where you were when you went back to uni, which is again we'll talk on the similarities. But lived in Australia, ex semi pro footballer, went back to uni at twenty seven to do my degree. So yeah. yeah, that's just a couple of the similarities which uh, me and Steve have, have found. In in a couple of conversations we've had, so I'm sure there's many more. I'm sure there's many more. Absolutely, out there. <laughs> I know what you mean. Plus we'll I, I... just
0: leave the podcast, yeah. mate. We'll just let these two
2: crack on. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I feel I feel like I'm a witness to like a bit of an awkward scene here, and I'm kind of like <laughs> I don't know whether to look or not.
1: You <laughs> can look; it's fine. We enjoy it. We thrive on it. <laughs> um, well, that's taken a twist. <laughs> going back to uni just before sam gets into the questions it was um kind of i was the same as you just contemplating on whether i actually had it in me to to go mm. back and and go back and learn again but i think yeah for me i don't you probably found the same but i actually loved to go back to uni as an older student because i feel like it yeah it really sort of made me concentrate and and go back for the right reasons and Thankfully mm. I met Sam as well, which again is one of the many pluses that have come out of my university journey. So there you go, Sam. There's your little bit of plaudits that you wanted. Aye, right. Yeah. And the just podcast. give Russell some love well. Done now, you know what I mean? Ready, <laughs> um, ready, ready for you, Steve, to give Russ some love. There you go. I was going to say, yeah, to be fair, he was a
3: brilliant partner. You can't ask for someone better. The best times at my school, even though I've gone up a couple of notches on the so-called ladder, actually working with Russell on a Wednesday, being out of class all day, I mean, I can't say that it was always focused on the work, but in terms of forming a friendship and, and kind of leading the school to a degree, I think we got there, Russell, in the end. But we did need our, our third person in the team to pretty much direct us to what we had to be doing every week
2: yeah we had a middle mid, another middle leader with us in a little trio that sort of cracked the whip and got us to focus but speaking <laughs> of focus Steve literally on the day because he's so nice to children right I can be quite blunt with children if I need to be Steve can't he's just lovely through and through so I would get him by his shoulders and go right we're, we're off to the office we've got this to get done and I would take him through the corridors like this and he needed blinkers on because a child would go hi Mr East and he'd go oh hi and then you would go and have a chat about the football last night and what they got up to and about an hour later you'd get up to the office and start your day so yeah that was the one bit that was a bit tricky but it was a
0: golden time it's interesting that hearing both your your backgrounds and stuff and obviously you two have have such a passion for education and i know steve you you touched on it with how your mum's been in education it's always been mm. part of your your life as well have has teaching always been in your head then when obviously when you were teenagers growing go, up, did you think in some capacity that you were going to be within or working in education or had you had your sights on on, on other routes as well? Um, I think after acknowledging
3: that I was going to be a failed footballer, I wasn't going to call it there, um, <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a lawyer and I thought there was always longevity in law because I can stay on role. And like, for my dad's sake, my dad was always one of those like, oh yeah go on son try and strive for for the best within law but my mum I was a bit of a mummy's boy in truth so uh, she knew I was always going to end up in teaching at some capacity so there was that knowledge that I'd always be within teaching I kind of went thought about going down the coaching route when I was a semi-pro footballer I thought well I I did help out a local team um, when I could and I thought oh that could be quite a middle ground so my dad could see me still as that footballer whilst I could also be an educator and coach children but actually the more I got into it and it's when I went away to Australia and that like epiphany moment kind of dawned on me I thought you know what now is the actual time to take the plunge into teaching I'd, I'd known teachers through my mum's career herself and I had a few friends that went into straight into teaching from uni so there was that reward and you know when you just think it's now or never really like whilst you're young you've got that passion and energy to try your best and work with the kids and develop them and work within a school community it really just started dawning on me I thought the minute I got back that was the first thing I did I actually went on to uh, submit my application for PGCE and like I said never ever look back and I think it's one of the best decisions I made and what about New- you Russ? Hey, Russ yeah
2: yeah um I don't know, you know, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I might have, I might have sort of thought teaching sounded quite good. But I didn't really think about it. I wasn't one of those teenagers or young adults who was particularly um, self driven and self, I don't know, motivated. It really did take me me meeting my wife at uni, Uh, we were engaged at uni met really young um to she was doing a teaching degree herself she was doing a, a B. ed and she just sort of said russell you do realize that if you want to do something like teaching you actually have to like get on a course and stuff i was like oh do i <laughs> um so she she sort of like gave me the kick up the bum to actually get myself on a pgce after my english degree because i really didn't know what i wanted to do um but to to get on a of course you typically have to have a bit of work experience and I've been doing some youth work all the way through um, uni for a bit of extra money but I did really enjoy that I really like working with young people and I like that feeling of kind of being perhaps a positive influence in their life and then I got a bit of work experience back at my old primary school and I, I remember them doing this kind of Egyptian day and thinking yeah this is cool this is a really unique workplace compared to A lot of other jobs and I could see myself doing it so that's when I kind of became clearer and then just loved my training and my placement so yeah like Steve I haven't looked back I really do believe it is a a wonderful career and a real privilege to work in this profession.
1: As I say it's quite it's quite nice to hear the two stories because they both sound so organic even though they're both different routes I mean one of you's obviously almost subconsciously kind of always knew that teaching was 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 there for him and you know with with family obviously being in the profession that it's kind of led you to that path and even though you've tried other things it's you've ended up going there anyway whereas for you Russ it was almost like you you kind of fell in it or you just t- dipped your toe in a bit and you enjoyed it and you dipped your toe in a bit more and carried on enjoying it and then as as you started to enjoy it more you kind of grew into into education almost and it's it's just quite it's quite refreshing to hear really you know because it's can be daunting sometimes I think for trainee teachers a lot of our listeners are obviously trainees and I mm. think you get a lot of people that are like oh I've always wanted to be a teacher you know oh, I'm you know, 19 20 years old and all they've thought about was being a teacher and they've kind of got you no know, life experience in terms of other jobs or things like that and it, I think I think it's quite nice just to hear you know a couple of other routes that have that have obviously led to you guys being successful ultimately.
3: Yeah it's kind of like expelling that myth of those who can't teach because it, it really underplays the whole teaching profession completely and it shouldn't be seen as a fallback kind of career, it is a hugely rewarding career mm. it takes talented people and really dedicated people to this profession and I think as my journey's gone on you realise who you work with and it's there's such a amazing people with this sense of being and belonging to developing
0: the future of the country and that can't be shied away from at all and we're, and we're just at the start of our journey and then we're to an extent like what you say about the people that you've connected with i mean we all have our own, own podcast and like for me and matt as training student teachers the people that we've actually managed to connect to and speak to on our podcast has just been unbelievable and just yeah the the conversations we've had from guys like yourself or other people we've had on like damien page or jonathan glazard just really fascinating people and just well we shouldn't be in a position whereby we, we're talking to them now and yeah and we're just learning constantly and it's just it, it, it is unreal it's a it's a really really good platform I played an absolute blinder to start your podcast
2: at the beginning of your career because you know you're going to get such high levels of cpd through this um and steve and i started that many years later and feel exactly the same really privileged every conversation we have
1: yeah we've uh that was Sam's idea so there you go a little shout to Sam there I'm there uh, I'm not going to take any credit for that <laughs> um, obviously we could talk to you guys about all of your career and I'm sure we'd be here for a you know good 2 3 hours but you're deputy head now so we're going to focus on on being in in SLT and in part of a senior leadership team so for you guys either of you can start it doesn't really matter but did you ever think that you really wanted to be in SLT or was it just something that naturally you just sort of fell into the role I think I've only
3: been at one school, so I never really knew how far I can make it at this school. And when you were on the PGCE, the common phrase was stick around for three years, then move on and develop yourself. Uh, so as I was going in, I was thinking, just try and be the best I can be at being a teacher. And that was always my focus. And I was really lucky that as an NQT, I remember the August 29th or something, just before I was about to start my first day, um, I was invited around to a couple of colleagues' houses over the weekend. They are like, do you even know how to plan? I was thinking, no, I've spent the whole summer setting up a classroom, which I was really proud of, but I hadn't begun to contemplate the actual plans for the day. So uh, I kind of worked alongside her, and it was over that year that I, I noticed how amazingly powerful it was for her to be able to kind of implant this wisdom on me and kind of guide me through and mentor me through the year. And... I still thought, yeah, okay, I I need to do this for a good few years now. You can't just be NQT, consolidate for a year, and then think you can be a leader. I never thought that opportunity would come. Um, And then it was only when Russell actually joined the school, um, I was thinking, he's a few years ahead of me in terms of the teaching journey. And I kind of looked in awe and thought, oh, he's got it, that guy. And what has he got that I could learn from and develop myself? Um, and watching Russell step up as a middle leader and then go through into leadership in the sense of getting the uh, assistant head job. He, he got that probably a year, maybe a year and a half before I did. Um, and it's actually in these discussions with Russell that you notice that you teacher part of the job. You can still keep that. You can still work really hard and develop that. But having this whole school impact was the next step and i was really protective as a teacher over my class i really saw them as a little family and uh they were the ones i always wanted to do proud and make sure that they could achieve and then when uh, ruster was talking to me he said like but you can do that over a key stage or you can do it over the whole school and having that ability to influence on varying degrees of um wideness in terms of who you could uh develop it was uh the aim of a SLT member that you could impact further in a job than just inside that classroom of 30 children so I say that happened and then uh, I was approached by the head teacher to say right it's your turn now if you want to step up and I actually had a job offer come about really oddly from a local school to be uh, assistant head and my head contemplated um, what she could do and she said look we can have two assistant heads here. We can work together, can develop a really dynamic team, which is a whole dynamic depth. That's where it really come from. And it was then that I thought I'm ready to take the plunge and ready to really test myself and test my mettle against whole school ambitions, have a more strategic role. And honestly, uh, whilst I love, and I do love the teaching and I love working with groups of children, classes, I'll cover at the drop of a hat, but being able to impact on a school and influence them wider and get to know the community as well that is worthy of that's why you do the job really and no you don't have to be a leader to do that but being empowered and being um thought of that you could pose yourself in that role is fantastic
1: and i think it's you've you've touched on it there but i know in a previous conversation that we had with you guys um that was a big thing for you in terms of your love for being in the classroom and and you know when we spoke to I'm sure Russell touched on that in a minute but you you mentioned that when you had the role as assistant head, you really loved the fact that you sort of balanced being in the classroom and the leadership side and I know it shows that you kind of still have that passion for for the actual grind of being a teacher as well as having that wider impact
3: yeah I mean as a leader i I prefer my personal opinion is to be in touch with the class because when you are trying to lead initiatives um and help develop others in the school it always helps coming from a place that you are with the staff and you're not you're not imposing something on people because you're part of that staff and you are willing to do everything think that we talk about in SLT and it is that sense of belonging like I said um you belong to that school community. And if you can resonate with everyone and you can feel what they're going through, you can feel when the workload is getting too much. You can feel what's a good idea and you can take ideas from staff and being a teacher governor is another way to do that, to be that middle ground. Then it just connects the leadership cycle. And it's a certainly rewarding aspect to teaching.
1: And what about you then, Russ? Are you, uh, are you the same as Steve or I no? you've got a slightly different, different story, different viewpoint.
2: Yeah. Um, I think sometimes there's a perception if you're a young male teacher that you're going to be really career driven and ambitious and want to fly up that kind of leadership ladder. And, you know, I, I, I did end up moving through roles quite quickly, but not because I was ambitious for a particular role. I've always just dealt with what's in front of me and I think for me I've always been there's a couple of things really that have played into it one I was very much a yes man early on in my career in a positive way in that if opportunities came up I was like yeah let's do it so in my first year of teaching I got a real I really got into maths which was ironic really because it'd been a bit of a joke on my training that I was terrible at teaching maths but in my first year of teaching for whatever reason I got really good at it and my My head really nurtured that. She was great for that. I really appreciate what she did for me there. And she offered to put me on a math specialist course. So I became a math specialist within two years and was doing a a math subject leadership in the school. So I just had a a, a can-do attitude to things like that and was just up for it and loved to learn. And then before you know it, just by accident, you're, you're on the senior team, or I was in that school, which was really quick. Now, there's sort of a word of caution with that in that, I do think there's something to be said in just really learning to be a fantastic teacher before worrying about all that other stuff, but I think I'm definitely someone that has always from the start of my career been interested in systems and ways we do things and I I have to admit I'm incredibly frustrated when I can see something that could work better. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I think I can see when there's a system or a structure that does not make sense, that's inefficient, that wastes time, that doesn't support teachers. I've always had a passion for that. So I think that's perhaps what drove me into leadership quite early on, because I could see those things that could be done. And in that first school, I remember ahead of one of our many Ofsted's, because when you're in a special measure school, I think we got seen five times, five HMI inspections in two years. It was very intense. And I remember before what ended up being our final one thinking, why do we organize data the way we do it? So, you know, we'd have wadges of it. Um, and I, and I just said, look, we need to have an A4 side that summarizes what we're doing with data in each class. That's it. That's all we need. Otherwise no one uses it. So I, I, Came up with a new system of organizing that data. We did a staff meeting. We we came up with some action plans. We put that in front of the inspector when they arrived and said, look, this is what we're doing with data. This is how we know what the issues are in the school. And she was like, Wow, this is absolutely key. I've been waiting for the school to do something like this. And then suddenly I was assessment lead. So it's not come from I want to be assessment lead. I've I've always kind of resented assessment. I still do it now. (laughs) But these opportunities come up I could see something that maybe I could help with and and that's kind of been my whole career so I've never gone out my way to be kind of career driven in the sense that I'm desperate for a, a senior role but I've fallen into it because my love and passion for systems and as Steve said you know I see my classroom now as 300 kids um, that I can impact and support and every decision I make that's good impacts all 300 and that's kind of cool.
1: I think me and Sam will kind of have that same um, similar perspective in terms of you two. I think when me and Sam talk in terms of when we're thinking longer term, I tend to have, and this is something where me and Steve, me and Steve may differ actually, but uh, I tend to look to be quite like you, Russ, in terms of I like the thought of impacting on a on a wider scale necessarily, rather than just as kind of like the 30 in the in your class. And I think whereas I know when I talk to Sam, he's he's so focused on on you know his his 30 kids that he's got in front of him and he and and that's it and it's it's great to kind of bounce ideas off each other because he's obviously looking for one perspective I'm looking from you know maybe a different perspective and then when we're trying to we're obviously developing so again we're not we're not nowhere near the same kind of level that you guys are at but in terms of our development it's nice to be able to bounce ideas off each other and have have them different perspectives and I guess that's probably the same for you two and that's why you you worked well so well together in your in the assistant role that you had and I think as well there's like a common pattern occurring through this episode in that
0: we all have different routes into teaching you guys have different views and different ways into leadership there's no like by the book way of doing it 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 comes from experience obviously opportunities um putting the graft in and obviously do, doing doing jobs that might come up and just being that being that person to, to to say yes and it's just it's really it's quite interesting and it's quite reassuring to know that you don't have to change who you are and your beliefs as well because like Matt said like his views are different on, on what I think but it doesn't mean we're in any less or we're not going to achieve any less than than each other and it's apparent in in, in in you two as well which is really quite refreshing to hear actually and the, and the, the thing that is common between all of us, I think we've got a huge, huge passion to, make, to wanting to make a difference. Fair enough, not just to the 30, but on a wider scale as well.
2: I think that's a great point, Sam. And I think whatever stage of your career you are, just being authentic and being yourself just goes such a long way. It really does. And you, you kind of can't fake it. And I think that becomes even more key in leadership that you... You know, people often talk about most effective leadership styles and stuff where what I find is your most effective leadership style is you being you quite genuinely
1: do you think that you kind of you fall into the role maybe because of your personality then that kind of that kind of has a you say you know you want to be authentic and be yourself and do you think that kind of leads people to just fall naturally into the leadership role and be successful yeah, sometimes.
2: I think, you know, bring back your football analogy, since it's been mentioned a lot, you know, it always amazed me how you could take a player. Was it Verón all those years ago who played really badly? Was it for United and then went abroad <laughs> somewhere and was like sensational? And mm. there's something in just feeling right for where you are. And I think as teachers, there are many people that leave the profession because they they come to see themselves as, as ineffective or they're not valued or whatever. But They're just not they've just not found the right team and I think that's a really good message to your listeners particularly people early on in their career is you might not find that perfect school it's like the house you know you the the first house might not be the dream house but it will do for now and you know I wouldn't overthink it at the start of your career but you will quickly develop a sense of where you feel right and if you're ever feeling demoralized or unappreciated or that you just don't quite fit then perhaps perhaps it's worth just having a little look around because you will find that perfect school for you
0: it's really it's really interesting that you said that as well because we've had a number of people who've come onto our podcast who've said that exact same thing it's about Mm -hmm. finding the right place and i've seen uh on instagram stories and whatnot of people who've applied for jobs and they're they're asking questions it doesn't feel right but it's the only job offer that i've got and the obvious answer is just no don't don't do it because you will end up just not being in that place for 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 very long because if it's all about finding the right place that, that that suits you and there are there are schools that that will suit your needs and match your needs, and there will be schools that don't match your needs and and suit your needs. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad teacher. It doesn't mean you can't teach. You just got to find the school that shares your views, your beliefs, and, and ideologies. And yeah, just just be patient with it. But end of day, you've done four years, three years t- teaching. Back yourself if if, if you got if you're qualified. You, you just got to back yourself.
1: Before you go on to a question, Sam, because I know you're going to move on to the next question. I'll just say that. If I was in that position I think I'd still take the job <laughs> controversially because similar similar to you Russ I think I'm one of them guys it's just like we'll say yes and just do it and I think that if if that job comes as a as a as a, a trainee teacher that's had a few, a few years at uni and needs to earn some money I would probably still take that job but I I've obviously in an ideal world you would want the uh, you would want the, the, to have the choice of, of going to a school where you do feel comfortable.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the timing's everything, isn't it, in, in life and in careers. And me and Steve have both had our fair share of luck. And, but for me, I didn't jump at that job in a special measure school because I was desperate or it was like late May. This was like March, April time. There's still loads of roles. But my instinct was telling me that it was right for me. And I, I remember talking to two tutors and one said, don't go near it. It's a terrible idea. Don't start your career. Like, and the other one went, Russell, if you can survive, it it will make you. And he was right. Yeah. So it's just about your yep. instinct at the time I was young didn't have any kids yet was up for it um so you've got to trust your instinct
3: and as a trainee get out and actually when you visit the schools don't be afraid to walk away from one and think no that wasn't right for me because there is that want to have a job but you will look at a school and you can be put off by a school quite easily and you'll look at a school and can fall in love with one and it's about being systematical but also giving it your you best to apply for them, but you shouldn't be afraid to say that one wasn't right for me and continue the search. I fell on my feet big time. When I looked at the current school I'm in now, I was sold the dream by the building. It was brand new uh, and the vision for them, but the head teacher um, was and is, she still is. And we're in touch with her to this day. She was inspirational for me in that tour. You couldn't be, you couldn't be told enough about this school and, How I see myself as a leader, I've developed from meeting her, working with her, because she had that passion that I craved for for bringing this whole community together. And it wasn't just the children in the school; it was the families you work with. And having been there for ten years now, I feel like I've got that flavour of the community. I can really understand them. You can approach every family that comes through the door. and that is something you should really look out for when you're applying for jobs. Um, make sure you do go for a visit. Make sure you go when it's open with children in the building, if you can, COVID provided, um, and really get to know the staff. And You'll pick up more through the tour than you think. Have a phone call with them, follow up emails, etc. You'll just get a flavour of it, and that will stand you in really good stead.
0: I think just there, Steve, it was really interesting what, what you were saying about the feeling you got from... The, the head teacher of the school that you you currently work at I mean it was the exact same for me when when I had left school and I'd, I was looking for a, uh, looking for a job and I came across um, this head teacher of this school who we've, who we've had on the, the podcast Nicola Bennett and yeah, what Say legend. That, um, yeah yeah honestly absolutely unreal just someone who you just w- want to work for and I'm in a position where I am now simply because of her really and my passion for education stemmed from her and yeah, you just don't don't really forget that really, and yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting that, that, that you said that as well. And um, on that note as well, because you said how that stuck with you. Obviously, both of you are SOT and your your deputies. Have you managed to get your views across and your ideas across successfully within within your schools, or do you feel like there's still more more to come?
1: And just a little added one on that: what are your values and and your your beliefs? You know, what what's your true sort of core? values as a sort of slt now coffee
2: just coffee (laughs) coffee yeah (laughs) i really believe in it i really believe he does he really does uh although steve when i used to work with you i think i did about five a day where i'm down to one now
1: how do you how can you function off five a day that is you walk around shaking like this Uh, oh yeah yeah, you must be i was numb to it i was numb
2: (laughs) to it honestly it did nothing It didn't even touch me about 10 years ago (laughs) anyway now i'm back to one a day um (laughs) values look me and steve that's what me and steve do align. line we're all about the child we're all about unlocking the potential of any child we're all we're definitely motivated by the tricky ones sometimes and getting to those hard to reach children uh do we get our views across yeah i mean i think because we've both been encouraged to step into roles or we've been supported into roles or those opportunities have come up where we are, I suppose naturally there was a receptiveness to us from uh, the SLT themselves. Although you raise a great point because part of the really scary bit about stepping into leadership is suddenly convincing the wider school staff that they need to listen to you. And I think from my experience, it's really much more challenging. Steve's done it impressively at his place, but to step from the NQT in the building up to middle leadership and senior, you know, (sighs) it's so different when those people uh, you're working with, that are asking to see things, weren't the people that you used to go on big nights out <laughs> with when you were in your first and second year of teaching. It does change the dynamic when you're trying to convince those people to do what you ask. Like, and, and you know, I, I remember people would comment on the silliest things. I remember at Steve's school when I, as I became Kind of slightly more senior stuff. I thought I'd better smarten up a bit, so I started putting a tie on, which I'd never done before. Well, like it's just a red rag to a bull, just you know, people <laughs> make comments. Why are you wearing a tie now? Like you're just <laughs> asking for it. So I think there's much. Mo- I found that hard because you were trying to kind of it was almost like a persuasion act that you need to see me differently. Where I've learned now that that's just nonsense. Like just be yourself. It's just as strange and awkward for you as it is for them that you're now someone that might have to sometimes ask them to do stuff but I have to say the schools I've joined as assistant heads and deputies where people have never known me as anything else I found that I could just really be much more authentically myself and not feel that awkwardness that I've got to prove anything to them because they've only ever known me as deputy Uh, Steve you could probably talk about that much better than me because you've done it all in one school
3: yeah I mean um, do we get our opinions across 100% we do i work with three Different head teachers, like I said, but every one of them has followed the same ethos and um, ideology that my first head teacher said. And Russell, I remember this, but when you join the SLT, she j- just said to you, You come in the office, come in the SLT office, she said, close the door. She said, whatever is thought of in this room stays in this room. You can share any opinion you wish, and there's not a wrong opinion because actually, uh, a valued member of SLT is there to challenge their teacher and it's there to drive your own in- initiatives as well. It's a, when that door opens, we are a united front and together we will share the vision that we have all agreed on. And that's not dictatorial in any sense, because actually the discussions you can have in an SLT, provided it's a strong group of people and you're all wanting that vision of doing best for every child in the school, um, you can have some excellent dialogue and really come to the correct decision. And sure, I think accepting the human first approach and that we all make mistakes as well and we learn from mistakes. And I think you've got to have that acknowledgement that not every decision is perfect, but actually that's why as an SLT, we are there to challenge each other and come to an agreement. Um, So that can definitely happen. And I think it takes a really well-driven school with a solid ethos for leadership as well to uh, allow you to share your views in this open forum uh, so that definitely happens um I totally agree with what Russell said actually about wearing a suit or a tie because don't do it guys basically um as an NQT and going through the same school um I definitely had that experience that Russell um, talks about and I worked with um an ex-army guy he was my TA and I never saw him as a TA that was one of the most important piece of advice I think I could give is whoever you are, if you're a teacher and you're working with a support staff member, don't don't call them a support staff member. They are literally the other half of you and you, you can't do the job without anyone in the class if you're lucky enough to have one. So um, work together as stringently as you can. But I remember being an assistant head and I came and I thought, oh, I do need to show that I'm, I've got a slightly different role now. I'm like out of class half the time. So... I did go for the suit look. I dug out one of my old law legal suits, uh, coming suit and boot with shoes on. And even the kids mock you, I tell you. They don't understand <laughs> at all. They're like, okay, I don't to see you in PE kit or something like that. You're suddenly wearing this. So uh, it is a shock to the system. And um, we'll come to it probably shortly, but it's one of the biggest challenges I think you can have if you're working up internally as well. Uh, but at the same time, I think people notice when you start applying SLT decisions as a whole and they're having a positive impact on the school that's where people can see that you're just part of the you're like a cog in the wheel and you're just driving this vehicle for success and for the best for them children because every child gets one shot in every year group and I used to hate the phrase that oh it's been good to teach in year three and four because the pressure's off there it's not if you're doing it right it's definitely not you're literally building on the knowledge that by the time they get to year six that is the icing on the cake that isn't for a year six teachers go oh they've slacked off in year three and four so we've got a hard job here no if everyone's doing it right and year three and four teachers are hugely talented it's not an easy year group or phase at all um it's literally building and building so that there's not much new knowledge in year six it's a recap but i feel as part of an slt it's making sure that people share this and understand it and we're all driving one force and if you have a fluid vehicle where everyone is on the same journey being a member of slt is pretty easy in truth because you're just affirming before you
1: go on a follow-up question sam that leadership method that your head teacher had, i think is perfect in terms of being as an slt member because it allows you to offer opinions and offer ideas and not be, and not be scared to, to you know, voice your opinion. But at the same time, it, it also, I guess, keeps that sort of level of respect and keeps that level of, of unity in terms of like, when we go out there, we're all in one direction, whether you, you know, we've had our conversation, we've, we, we've talked about the ideas. This is the idea we're going with and you've got to back, we've got to back it now a hundred percent and that, that for me, in terms of a leadership role, is is a perfect sort of perfect storm almost because it, you just as a, even as a teacher, as a young teacher, if you could do that with someone and be able to voice your opinions in a in an environment and then come to an agreement where you move forward as one, I think that's ultimately what every sort of SLT member would, would love to have.
3: Yeah, it's just getting that balance between challenge and initiative and knowing what you're there for as well, and actually the staff know that you'll go to SLT and if they've got something they'd love to, to be raised in a positive way or it could be a concern, they'll get delivered in the right way and fully
0: discussed before any decision is made. And I think it's really interesting. I think what Matt picked on there is such an unbelievable view to have within SLT and that, that trusting relationship as well about that we had that conversation in this in this room, out of it, we're all driving towards the same direction and just following on from that really. So obviously as a uh, SLT, obviously you're trying to implement your views and your ideas across. And do you find from being in the classroom that you still have that level of influence on a classroom or it's, or is it on a wider scale within a school? It's both, to be honest. Uh, It can be in a classroom. It can be on a
3: wider scale. I feel, um, part of my role within school is to develop teaching the coaching model as well. So you kind of harnessing the best qualities of everyone and learn enough of everyone. Because the one thing I was always wary of, and I remember going to SLT the first time I was thinking, Oh gosh, it's a bit like the golden circle in it. Uh, there's like a hierarchy and like SLT are up here and the teaching stuff there that diminish that, get rid of that. You don't need this hierarchy to exist because Actually, you can all learn from each other. And I have been to um, observe various people from, I've, got, I've been into the office and work with the office staff to see how systems and processes work. I, I could watch uh, teaching assistants, HLTAs, trainee teachers, and you will always learn and develop something from someone. So there isn't like, I, I don't believe there's, a, oh, that teacher's 10 years experience. They must be so much better than me get rid of that and as a slt we work really hard to eliminate any stigma like that because actually we're just teachers and we're all learning every day we learn something new and every day i can watch someone be blown away by them and think i need to share that because they don't know they've got that quality in themselves i need to share that with the rest of the school and we've gone down video route we've gone down small group coaching uh and actually The best way you can do it is just to let people have a bit of time and get out there and see other classrooms. And that will then disseminate across whole school and you will have better practice all round. So as SLT, you're kind of like a facilitator in that regard. I mean, I don't know what you think, Russ, but I sure think that's part of my role to be a facilitator and enable it.
2: Yeah, I think there's a mixture. So you've described... Uh, Like an appreciative inquiry model, that's kind of what that's called, which is this Mm. idea that in the building we've already got loads of really great stuff, let's make sure we're sharing that. That makes so much sense, and I think that's definitely something I could do more because in leadership, you do sometimes have a deficit model in your head of what have we still got to do, and you focus on that rather than going, Gosh, there's all this stuff going on that's already great. So, I think you're absolutely right, there's lots, lots of that appreciative inquiry that could happen more in schools alongside that I think if you're trying to have influence on teachers in their classrooms you've got to genuinely know what you're talking about and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes knowledge is really underplayed in education it's seen as this oh it doesn't matter you know as long as you can explain things well no you need to actually know what you're talking about I'm afraid so having people in the building that do have their finger on the pulse about. You know, we did this uh, podcast episode with Catherine Morgan about being an evidence informed practitioner. There is research and evidence out there that you can access and and understand better. So I see the role of senior leaders. We have the headspace that teachers don't who are in the grind of day to day teaching because it is more intense. Like my responsibility level is vastly bigger than it's ever been but I don't have the intense daily grind that a teacher does. I have so much respect for a teacher that juggles everything they do all day, every day. It's, it's a different complexity to senior leadership. Um, But so it's my job to be the one that filters that interesting research evidence, et cetera, into our building because they haven't got the headspace all the time. They don't always have the space to listen to a podcast as much as I'd love them all to, or to read a book or whatever. So, I think it's really important if you want credibility with your staff that you do keep your finger on the pulse that you are well read you do keep informed about things so that you can be the person to put that out there and when you do people respect that and they're fascinated by it. Mm. Your job I suppose a senior leader is to show how that stuff from books and podcasts and theory actually is relevant to what they're doing now and that it's not a bolt on and it's not some annoying new initiative you're throwing in that it fits with what what they're doing already and it's going to make their role even better so when that's been the game changer for me now when I do some training because I love training it's the most interesting part of my job um, I will always now try and think more about how does this practically translate to what they're having to do every day where in the past I might have been a bit up in the sky and excited by something and not really brought it down to what's actually happening in their role day to day so I think that's really key for senior leaders if you want to have an influence. Just, just
0: before Matt asks his next question, where, where, where do we apply for, for jobs for your for your schools? Just, yeah. just so just, just, uh, j- just, so we're aware. I can make up a Consider fake CV. Done.
1: I can make a C- <laughs> fake CV up like Steve. That's fine. Don't worry about it. You know what? <laughs> do
0: you know what? Matt Matt's come dressed for an interview. He's got his shirt on and he's got his glasses on, know, just you, like you two. You guys I guys missed t- the memo here.
1: You you guys I've earlier talking mayor. about but, Yeah, you guys earlier don't saying don't don't wear shirts and ties. I wear it now. I'll wear it. I'll let you got into hair. a secret. I'll let sure. you into a secret.
3: I've literally got shirt on here, but I have PJ bottoms. <laughs> <on>. <laughs>
1: That's the elite. That's the elite, right there. There um, you go. That's a zoom all over, isn't it? oh hundred percent. Comfort on the bottom, work on the top. That's how. It <laughs> yeah. is literally the 2020 2021 life, isn't it? <laughs> um, Absolutely. It's. You know, for us as trainee teachers, it's it's fascinating to listen to you two as as SLT members because I think the, the problem we have in as trainees is that we don't have enough exposure and understanding of what SLT have to do and what their what part of their job is and what pressures they're under. And it's it's easy to kind of reflect on the day-to-day grind of being a teacher, and you hear, you know, we as trainee teachers probably hear it, you know, front on about the, the the struggles maybe of what's happening in the school or what, what could be done better in education and how they how much workload and stress teachers are under. You know, so it's 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 really important and great for us to kind of listen to you two and, and understand a bit more about you know your job role and, and senior leadership roles in general. And I think it it kind of puts it into into perspective really that you know whilst you guys obviously ultimately care about the children you, you know you're also caring about t- the teachers as well so again you're kind of juggling you you you're juggling two two acts at the same time really which is which is you know great for for our listeners and us to learn from
3: 100 percent you've got to it's not even a a maybe you've got to care about the staff because if you do not the school will not travel in the direction you want it to and i know uh, my second head teacher always said oh it's, it gets lonelier the higher up you get And to a degree, that is right. But I would also say you surround yourself with the right team and have people that will look out for you because the well-being of everybody in that building and as a trainee, I would always say get to know everybody because you can't do without any of them. The minute one person is out of sorts, pick them up and drive them forward because it is a thankless task sometimes teaching. And I think everyone needs to have the appreciation of what everybody's role is within that building because there isn't one easy role there really yeah. isn't in teaching it doesn't matter what level you're at there's no easy role so being thankful um, showing your gratitude and just treating everyone with the respect and the adoration that they need because day in day out is a hard task
1: and before we go on to what's in store for you guys in the future your your aspirations etc you touched on it earlier but just to sort of lay it out of the line what has been the biggest challenge for each of you in terms of being in slt and maybe transitioning from being a teacher to slt rush you can go first <laughs> you got Has him thinking
2: <laughs> you, you have it's not often that i'm kind of muted with my thinking
3: have you got one ready to go steve i'm, I'm stumped for a second here i think i'll give you a quick one think of a challenging A challenge for me was following in your brimming footsteps, mate. (laughs) There we go. He's he's finally done it. He's
0: an hour, but he's he's come up with the goods.
1: (laughs) That is cute. He'll send me the five later, won't he? That was worth the wait. That was definitely worth the wait. Get that on repeat um, on Twitter. Don't you worry about (laughs) that,
3: Steve. Can I have five pounds in return then? Yeah. um, I don't know, the hardest challenge for me in my personal circumstance was going from being in the same place for the 10 years that I've been because moving up it was hard for other people to adjust and uh, seeing you in a new light meant you just had to kind of, I didn't want to reinvent myself because like we were saying earlier that authenticity is so important and I kind of felt I earned that job on the merits of what I've given it already so you don't need to change for it, you just need to learn and I just kept trying to develop myself but whilst remaining the person that I was that got there in the first place um and another challenge is uh well I, my partner works at the same school as me so being the the deputy and to, uh working alongside her was quite, was quite a tricky challenge to be honest you're a brave um, man mate you're a
1: brave man I'll yeah. tell you
3: that <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, Touchwood is still it's still going really or... well. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> she even gave me a little baby, so it's gotta been good. But um, no, I mean, it's it's really tricky to to be professional and just sure ensure that the barriers and the like your conduct is perfect all the time because. Uh, you can come into school, both grumpy in the car, but the minute you get in the building, that smile comes on and you think, right, I'm at work now, so I'm leaving this problem. And then you get in the car at uh, 4.30, you think, oh, still can't stand you. <laughs> like, no, but but no, honestly, challenges are, you will always get little challenges along the road and they will make you the stronger person that you want and you will learn from your challenges. And facing an Ofsted as part of a uh, whether you're a, SLT member or a teacher or any capacity can be a really stressful experience, but again, you will learn from it and you will become a better person from it. And actually, it shouldn't be something that should be feared at all. Often, is banded around, and I don't know how you feel as trainees, guys, but it can send a shivers down your spine basically. But once you get one out of the way, you just kind of learn that, you know what? It is what it is. And Russell, I I think you're looking at me like you want to say something about Ofsted. It's just what gets me about that
2: is I hate that our profession is so driven by fear and anxiety. Mm, And almost all the issues I find in this profession when people lead from a place of fear and anxiety. You know, I had someone on Facebook last night saying on one of the subject specific groups, um, uh, my head's told us we'll need to be ready for deep dives because Ofsted are starting again next week like could anyone give me some advice first of all it wasn't true like yes they're starting monitoring inspections again but they're not doing full-on subject deep dives at the moment like this this fear yet this head has felt that and felt so panicked and worried that, sh- that she or he has freaked out their entire staff and it's just like that really bothers me and i think obviously it's a bit like like talking about lord Voldemort. it's like he who shall not be named. It's like <laughs> <clears throat> where actually what i've been really inspired by what what actually it brings me on nicely to the idea of challenge what i have found most challenging in my career is that is this idea that we need to lead from fear and when we started the podcast the first thing i wanted to do was talk to lots of people that didn't do that so going and seeing chris dyson school in leeds where they were requires improvement and he's taking it to outstanding on the basis of love and care and passion and just all the right stuff that i want to lead by and realizing that is possible i found that really empowering so i don't fear ofsted at all and don't get me wrong i don't want it to go unpleasantly and i get that for a head in particular there's this sense that it is sort of career changing if it goes wrong sometimes but for me i'm just like i'm gonna i kind of vow to lead in a way that um, I want to and what's right for the children and I'm happy to argue to the cows come home why I've made the decisions I have to any Ofsted inspector that's the way around that I'd I'd really encourage you guys at the start of your career to to, to be do what's right for the children and it'll always it'll always work out for, for anyone else popping in um, but you, they t- you have to be quite brave to think like that um, and there's a lot of people in teaching that were probably very well behaved little boys and girls when they were at school and they like to comply and do the right thing, even when the right thing's stupid. Um, so you've got to be kind of brave and challenge that. And I guess that's why me and Steve have got into leadership because we've kind of been passionate about doing the right thing, even if it's not the conventional view of what you should do. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's my view. I really. think
0: I think it's interesting as well that you, you've picked on um, uh, Ofsted and that, that, that fear, and obviously, us being training teachers, we're obviously going to come across that at some point in our lives. And I remember being in schools where offset inspections have happened, but I remember like one of the best bits of advice being given. And I'm definitely going to take, take it going forward, but I don't know if it's me being naive and kind of fits in nicely with the episode as well about what Steve you said about authenticity. I mean, if you're a good teacher and you've had good observations, why change that for an offset inspection? It's just an expect- mm. inspection. If you're a good teacher, why change that why why pretend to be someone else in an inspection just believe in yourself and you've got that school ethos and school philosophy whereby it is all about the teachers making sure that they can thrive in that environment then essentially you've got you've got nothing to, to fear about i mean if anything Russell and Steve's Jobs on the line, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Yeah, cheers, yeah. Russell and Steve. Sam. Thanks for uh, thanks for looking out. <laughs> <up, mate. laughs>
2: I, I give a P forty five tomorrow. You're you're absolutely right, Sam. Like you know, you, you need to do what you thinks right, and even if you scale that right down to not big offsted things, but just something like a lesson observation. I've observed thousands of lessons now in my career, and whenever they've not gone right it's been because the person hasn't been clear in their own mind about what they're doing and why and that's why I always the first question I ask is is just you know what did you want to achieve in that lesson and every time it's gone wrong they can't answer that question because it wasn't clear in their own head they got distracted by what they thought I might want or what they thought they would be impressive and they can't answer that where all the good ones they're like this straight away well in that lesson I wanted to and they're really clear and precise so if you stay focused on that yeah that's it that will guide you well
3: and russ can i just add in a little tip um and guys for trainee teachers nqts please do not spend hundreds of pounds on a lesson observation i went into this trap for sure and i remember uh, the teacher next door to me she was outstanding brilliant teacher still is but every time i looked at a lesson observation form i like, should plan for it and i'd be like wow like she set up the whole classroom with the best tech, everything You should spend the whole weekend buying things. And it's not, don't be outstanding because you've kind of bought what you think needs to be outstanding. A consistently day in day out, good teacher is brilliant. That is kind of like what you're aiming for. Instead of the occasional outstanding in a lesson observation, but actually you can't maintain it. Cause A, you'll be out of pocket and have no money. And B, you'll be knackered, like truly knackered. And I, I remember um, I started off quite well in my NQT year. And I was following suit, really. I was thinking, oh, I need to do showboating lessons uh, for my observations and using robots and all this crazy stuff, actually. And whilst it's engaging, and uh, it's cool to do a couple of outstanding. So I remember getting a good after that. And I'd be like, oh, did I just not buy enough or do enough to, to make the headteacher thinkers outstanding? And that wasn't it at all. It was just the, that unclear, unclear thinking and not actually, no. I tried to do too much in a lesson. I lost the objective overall, really. Um, but and also, don't work to a tick list as well. Lesson observations don't. Lessons should be fluid. They should be enabling you to adapt as you go and go off off a lesson plan. But think, right, it's not going to plan, so I'm going this way now. And actually, as a leader, you just want to see the the natural teaching and your style that you deliver to these children that lesson observation should be feared. They and hopefully you're working an open door kind of policy where it's not. But never fear a leader coming in because they do need to see what's going on in the classroom and not just to judge and um it should be But to help uh, yeah to help. Yeah. And you just want to see the natural course of delivery and see the, the children loving their learning. And for me I love seeing relationships and seeing mm. how there's a connectedness with teacher, child and support staff, everything uh, and that makes me happier than seeing a, a wow lesson that I think, oh, that poor person's put themselves under so much pressure uh, because they feel they need to do that, because that's not natural. And mm. that's not what you look for in a school.
1: I think the good thing about being Sam is we don't even want to pay for Zoom Pro. So there's no chance of us going out spending <laughs> loads of money and resources. I can, uh, I can assure Brilliant. you of that. <laughs> what, what you see is what you get them for, yeah. don't you? <laughs> That's Tight. what we want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, you know, all amazing points in it before we jump on to talking you know about the podcast at the end because we're obviously not gonna you know avoid such a prestigious thing that you've created because ultimately that's what has connected us to you um but you know in, in short form i'm gonna jump in here and take sam's question away for him what's the future for you both is it head teaching is it research is it consultancy what what is it
2: i think for me i think as i said earlier people always assume that you want to go on and be ahead if you're a young man that's a bit of a stereotype and i think i told you guys when we had a bit of a chat before that my my first score i remember seeing my head walking around with these two guys looking really miserable and when i asked her about it she she said oh i was doing asbestos training and i was like what the hell headship sounds terrible so and 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 let's face it i mean all heads are incredible and inspirational in their own right for just the job they do day in day out. But it also looks really hard, doesn't it? Like they they seem quite stressed a lot of the time, don't they? (laughs) So I think for me, I've often thought, what do I want to put myself through that? Um, But I think it's like we were saying earlier, it's about finding the fit for you in any role. And for me, what the only appeal for headship now is because I'm in an environment where I absolutely love the people I work with. I feel really at home there. So it does appeal to me. But I, I never think too far ahead into the future. If I'm honest with with my career, I always think about what am I doing now and what what do I need to do next to just keep me feeling satisfied and happy. That is that is the main thing.
3: Yeah, and I think I do agree with Russell to an extent. There's where do I see myself? Yes, I would like to be a head teacher in some perverse form, I guess, one day. Certainly not at the moment. I think it's an unenviable job at the moment. It is incredibly difficult, and I, I do worry about the the well-being and the mental health of anyone in school, but particularly his head teachers, where it's it's all coming down on top of them. But
1: yeah, I'd like to do it still. It is weird. Yeah. 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 Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, both exciting either way, you know, and it's, it, I'm sure whatever you guys go on to do it, you'll, you'll be successful as you have been now. Um, let's talk about the potty. You know, don't shoot the deputies. Obviously, great podcast. Great podcast. Yep. Yeah um you know we have a cpd section at the end which i'm going to just rattle off a couple of episodes which i really enjoy um which i think people should listen to um but just sort of briefly touch on sort of why you set it up and a couple of your favorite guests that, that you've that you've had on so far that you've loved
2: don't you the deputy is a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country that little thing uh, that, we, that absolute <laughs> banger yeah that's the one we, we we set it up in 2018 after i had uh, moved down to devon for a couple of years and steve was missing me and we decided we needed a forum to keep talking about teaching because we loved our teacher natters when we were working together and it has just been awesome. As I said earlier, you guys are doing the most amazing thing to do this at the start of your career. You're going to learn so much. It is selfishly the best CPD I could ever ever asked for and the fact that it benefits (laughs) other people and they enjoy it makes it just like icing on the cake and i think for me and steve we're creative people that need to make stuff and this is this is it i've been in bands and stuff in the past where you make a, a cd and you've got that record and it i get the same buzz out of this sadly um so i i i i absolutely love the podcast and uh yeah steve it's our favorite bit isn't it of everything we do
3: Absolutely. I mean, running the Making Impacts Education group on Facebook, that's that's a, a baby for me. Like That's how we evolved and we got together because I was just thinking over that summer in 2018, how can Russell and I connect more about collaboration in terms of education because that's what I enjoyed the most at the school. Um, then come along the podcast and, wow, if you knew the buzz that we get after every podcast and how we – every time we have a new guest, it's like, that's our favorite guest. Day. I yeah. can't believe it. But <laughs> we talk for, we, the guest will leave the team and then we'll be sitting there just smiling like Cheshire Cat going, can so you believe it? Just, Matt, to be fair. Have, yeah. It Samples. is ridiculous, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, but that passion for the podcast comes from the, the plethora of guests that we have. And honestly, we've got yeah. absolutely amazing guests and it's just opening you up to what's out there because we've worked in a small trust before and, that's great, but when you can open yourself up across the world and the country and learn from some of the best people, and you look at their books and think, they're talking to us.
1: They're sharing their wisdom with us. Oh, we that's know, incredible. we know, mate, trust yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time <laughs> we talk to someone, we're like, why are we here, But We will take it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like an outbody body experience. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I know
0: you'll say the same, Sam. Yeah, 100%. And I just think as well, just reflecting on this this episode, I mean, we, we've got you guys on uh, we've connected through our podcast but you're two deputies and I mean I mean two I know we've asked you people to, as well. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and we've asked you for CPD but, the, but this whole episode has just been CPD on, on the tips the experience that you guys have had and, and I mean I mean for our listeners especially for trainees and stuff this is such valuable information to be gaining and insight as well and for me as well it's just such a such a privilege to have have guys like you you want essentially and just learning and
1: yeah yeah go on go on mate. just just connecting with guys like you, you know it's, it's yeah. really it's yeah. really great and it's it's been you know a pleasure to get you on and, and before we sort of round off the episode a couple of episodes that i want people to go and check out on the podcast one more race, exactly race you're Nate, you're gonna, yeah, unbelievable yeah. <laughs> episode one of my favorite probably podcast episodes i've listened to in just in general what an incredible a
0: person is yeah what a, <laughs> yeah
1: and just you know that half an hour chat was for me so influential in terms of talking about the curriculum and her passion for the curriculum and her drive and it's and keep your ears out because uh, in, a, in a few weeks you'll be hearing that one get reviewed i can promise you that and another one is obviously everyone's talking about remote learning at the moment but that's your latest one that come out and um, you know mm. really really helpful really informative um, and a few a little one about some live areas, which I thought was quite funny, a little five minute snippet. So yeah, for, for people that are listening to us, head across to, to those those guys on Apple and Spotify. Don't shoot the deputies and check them out. Um But, you know, I mentioned that we're, we're tight and we're poor, so time's running out again. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> For you guys it's Shoot been an absolute, absolute pleasure to to get you on um and connect with you and I, I look forward hopefully to to working together again in the future whether it's on podcasting or you know just staying in touch Ted talks, his, mate, his friends yeah you know <laughs> um, but you know from from me personally it's 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 been an absolute pleasure to get you on tonight and for anyone that wants to follow their journey um on twitter or instagram it is at, at dynamic depths um but yeah from from me boys it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you for taking the time it's been a privilege
3: and a wonderful way to spend
0: the evening to be honest guys it's been an absolute honour spot on thank you pleasure's all ours and yeah thank you for coming on as well
1: cheers guys have a lovely evening to get in touch with us following the latest podcast episode head over to at the teachers of tomorrow on instagram or over on twitter via at Pod.